Now we come to the thrilling final episode of our radio drama. Ron Wolfley. This is going to make me look kind of freaky. Luke Lipinski. The great Luke Lipinski. We're <laughs> devaluing the word great if you follow with Luke Lipinski. <laughs> Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM. Arizona's sports station. You know, the worst part of that open, Wolf... I'm getting lunch with Jarrett after this uh, show. Oh, are you really? So if you happen to be somewhere in the valley and you hear two people arguing at lunch. Oh, I was just going to say, us. that's so civilized. Yeah, well, it's not going to be civilized. Oh, let's get lunch. <laughs> We're going to be talking about the most worthless stuff. We're working on a project for here. Oh, potentially. really? Yeah. Wow. Pot- I mean, okay, that's usually when we wow. talk about stuff, it takes the three years. The intrigue of yeah. it all. Yeah, so check back in like 2027 when we actually uh, get on schedule. All right, Wolf, uh, we did a little tape talk earlier in the show. And you talked about the start of the second half. Cardinals coming out with a good defensive stand. The reason this is so important is because obviously the Cardinals are not starting games well. So starting the second half is not the same as starting the first half. But there are some similarities. And on Sunday, they came out, played some defense to start the second half. And then first offensive drive, even though it started shaky, yeah. was big. Yeah, no, it was absolutely huge to get that three and out defensively and force the Carolina Panthers, of course, to punt it. And then the offense did come out overall, and by the way, eight plays later and 89 yards later, they scored a touchdown. So what do you see? Give me a little theme right here, if you don't mind. That's what I'm talking about. So good at this already, Mal. Um, the first possession of the second half of the Arizona Cardinals did not start very well. They started it with a penalty, as a matter of fact. <laughs> After all, everything oh, we saw in the first half, Luke, everything we saw in the first half, now all of a sudden they come back, false start. Never, it's never easy. It's never easy. Woo! And suddenly there they were. They had an incompletion, and then they had a brilliant play call on second and 15. They had trips left, and they faked a wide receiver screen to the left with Hollywood Brown. As you would imagine, that got a lot of attention. And then they came back to the right with a screen to James Conner. He gained 14 yards on the play, and it was absolutely huge. A huge play call, well-designed, well-executed, and James Conner stoked it and almost converted. And then Kyler Murray followed it up with a zone read and got the first down. He kept the ball, got the edge, and got the first down. First down! And you know this is exactly what they were looking for at this point in time. First downs. After going through his progression and then standing in the pocket for almost five seconds, I counted it with a timer. Five seconds for Kyler Murray to stand in a pocket on a four-man rush. He went through his progression and finally found Zach Ertz over to his right. Went through his progression, standing in the pocket, first down, big gain to Zach Ertz. Back-to-back first downs. You want to play that? Is that sure. what you're saying? So, uh, that's one of the things I'm saying. Snap to Murray is low, but he's got it. Back to throw with time. Everybody covered. Murray now launches far side. Ertz is standing all by himself. Caught at the 40, up to the 45. Knocked out of bounds at the 45-yard line. A gain of 23. Yes. Okay. Boy, that's good right there. Then they... 
You know what? Honestly, it doesn't you feel right. No? Just, yeah. I am. I, totally. Yeah. I, Arizona Sports. <laughs> breaking news. Sorry. <laughs> we will uh, pause this edition of Tape Talk. And it's official. The Cardinals have released Andy Isabella. Well... They cut him to sign center Billy Price from the Raiders practice squad, and the Cardinals also signed kicker Matt Amendola. Whoa! So, initial reaction to this, Wolf, not to pile on. A, this seemed like what Andy Isabella wanted, first of all, right? I mean, mean, you don't want to be cut, but it seemed like he wanted to play for a different team anyway. Yeah. B, got to be one of the biggest busts they've ever had. Right, yeah, we're talking no. about second round pick and you, second and, round pick, and actually got nothing out of that second round pick. Now, really. when when he's on the Patriots and somehow good in two years, that still doesn't make it any less of a bust for the Cardinals. I'm not saying like his career is done, but I gotta think. I mean, they stuck with this guy for three years, and when he started to play well in the preseason, and his reaction was to come out and say they doubted me, and it sure seemed like he was talking about the Cardinals. That probably didn't. Uh, Probably didn't go over all that well. Yeah, man. Honestly, Andy Isabella, I was so high on Andy Isabella, and I was wrong on Andy Isabella. And you know what? I'm wrong every day of my life, Basinonians. I got no problem admitting it. Um, I'd rather be fair than right or wrong. But in regard to Andy Isabella, I was wrong. Even, Even three years into it, I expected the light bulb to go on in the shed for Andy Isabella. Especially in this offense where you knew they were going to throw the ball an awful lot to line up and be in three wide and put him in the slot and let him work the slot. I thought he was going to be Danny Amendola for the most part with speed. Instead, he's Matt Amendola now. And, okay, that was... Come well, on. Just, well, don't pile they, on. I'm not piling don't, on. He, he's going to be good for the Patriots in for, two years. We okay, all know. You know what? It, honestly, that's... I could see that happening in a heartbeat. I see Trent Sherfield all the time. Oh my! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that was a show-stopping Trent Sherfield reference. Trent, he's like all over my TV on Sundays. (laughs) Could we see that with Andy Isabella? Well, so here's the thing about Isabella. Yes, and, and you had to think that. With his comments after the end of the preseason and the the story, I think Gambo was the one actually that had the story that, that Isabella wanted out or he wanted to go somewhere where he was going to get more reps, Wolf. And then you look at the way the first four games of this season have played out with all the, the suspension to Hopkins, all the injuries they've had at receiver. Here's the guys with more receiving yards than Andy Isabella on this team, even when there was, in theory, more opportunity. Hollywood Brown, Greg Dortch, Zach Ertz, James Conner, Eno Benjamin, A.J. Green, Andre Bocelli, and Trey McBride all have more receiving yards. And Rondale Moore already has more catches, and Rondale Moore has been hurt for three of the four games. So they were going to move on, and he was going to move on. This doesn't have to be the end of his career by any means, but it, it was not working here. Yeah, you know, um, it's amazing, too. It was not working here for Andy Isabella, as you said right there. But um, the biggest boss, one of the biggest boss, there's no doubt about that yet. It's so amazing to me that as the news is breaking, you also mentioned Billy Price, right? Yeah. Billy Price. You want to talk about boss? Billy Price? 
The center from the Raiders. That was the guy they were looking at in the offseason. Yeah. Here's a guy that was a number one pick in 2018. Now think about that for a number one. Mel Kuyper Jr. Player Profile. Been an All-American at Ohio State at both center and guard. Strong kid. Athletic ability like Pat Elfline last year came out. Had a really good rookie year with the Minnesota Vikings. I think is as good or better. I think here's a kid who had that torn pectoral muscle through the process. Had it not been for that, he would have projected even higher than where he goes in the draft now. Billy Price is a plug-and-play center or guard. A veteran professional approach. Love his leadership and the way he takes charge on that offensive line. He will be ready to make all rookie teams right away. Oh, that was Mel Kuyper right there. Um, How dare Mel not be right about 100% of the prospects that he ever looks at? How about that, though, right there, man? Uh, Billy Price. This is a guy that has, you know, again, been very disappointing. Uh, First-round pick, taken number 21 overall. Um. Yeah, you know what? It's great you're bringing him in right now, but I don't know what you can expect to get out of him. Well, but, but there is, you're not sinking any cost into him. Correct. You didn't use a pick that was not only, as you said, 21 overall, but if I'm doing the math right, that means 11 picks ahead of Lamar Jackson. I mean, I know they don't play the same position, and that wasn't necessarily their need, but, uh, but that could be a guy maybe looking to jumpstart his career, and you can never have too much uh, offensive line help. So that was a... <laughs> that segment did not go in the direction we expected it to. All right, we come back. We'll uh, we'll go around the National Football League rapid fire style next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on ninety eight seven FM Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke middays ninety eight seven FM Arizona's Sports Station. Breaking news, interrupting the show sheet that we so carefully put together before the show started. So now we're going to get through the second half of the uh, week four rapid fire. Take you around the NFL and get you caught up on everything. And uh, let's see. Let's start with uh, let's start with Detroit. Well, now you didn't see the end of Hard Knocks, but from Detroit, you have the 2022 Lions who can and will. Unless they're trying to play defense against the Seattle Seahawks, apparently, because the Seahawks put up 48 in a 48-45 win over the Lions. This is Pete Carroll said that was a much-needed win. Well, this was a much much-needed win for us. Um, really excited about the way we played on the road again, uh, getting out here and doing it um, right from the beginning. We were going, and uh, this was the day that, that the offense was such a highlight in, in the day, and, and uh, they scored the first four times. We had the ball. Uh, we were executing. We were knocking out third downs. We were we wound up running the football really well today for the really for the first time. It really felt like we had we had it rolling. Um, Gino played spectacular football. Spectacular football. Gino's already thrown for a thousand thirty-seven yards. Gino Smith. You know what they yards. say about those Mountaineers. <laughs> Go ears! <laughs> okay, um, okay. So Gino's already thrown for over a thousand yards. So is Jalen Hurts over eleven hundred yards. Just saying. Yes, that's a scary proposition right now. But the Detroit Lions are really, really bad. Yeah, they are really bad. They're fun legendarily to watch. bad, especially when it comes to stopping the run. They're at the very bottom of the league. 
in terms of rushing yards per game and rushing yards per play. And that seems a little high, actually, that they're only at the bottom of this league. So right now, Dan Campbell can be screaming and yelling at his guys, but they're getting their face kicked in on the line of scrimmage. And that is the most demoralizing way you can lose football games. And that's where the Lions are losing a lot of this. They're the number 32 team in red zone defense in the NFL. So much of how you are as a rush defense is all about that red zone. Teams are running the ball and scoring touchdowns running it. They don't even have to throw it. Well, they must be bad defensively, Wolf, because the Detroit Lions are number one in the NFL in terms of total yards per game on offense. And they lead the NFL right now with 35 points per game scored. So they're scoring more than the Chiefs, who are number two. The Eagles are number four, but they also don't win because they give up 48 points to Seattle. So, yes, that's how the uh, the Seahawks picked up their second win of the season from Indianapolis. Derrick Henry is waking up, and he ran all over the Indianapolis Colts. Here's Ryan Tannehill. You know, proud of our guys and, and the way we've battled. Um, we don't blink when, when things may take a downturn. We, we, we believe in each other. Um, we trust the guys playing beside us and um, you know on the other side of the ball. So every game is not going to be perfect. It's not a perfect game. So to, to have that belief in each other that you know defense is going to make, make a play or offense is going to make a play when we need it, it, uh, it means a lot, and we've shown up big in the last couple weeks. With that AFC South, just a bunch of mediocrity right now. Yeah, you know, it's staggering, really. It's stunning. The fact the Tennessee Titans have struggled the way they have in regard to running the ball, and now all of a sudden King Henry is getting it going, no doubt. You look across the league, and it really is a situation where without the preseason and playing all these guys in the preseason and these starters in the preseason not doing it, it's almost like September has totally turned into that in the NFL. Going out and playing games where a team, you have no idea what to expect from them in September. Um, Especially in the NFC West where everybody's just back to square one. Yeah, but even the Colts. Yeah. The Indianapolis Colts are number 27 in rushing yards per game and number 27 in rushing yards per play. Wait a minute. Are you kidding me? They've got the best rushing attack, one of the best rushing attacks in the league. Certainly that can't be the case, and yet it is. It's just weird, man. Uh, How about on to Baltimore, where Buffalo's defense got the Bills back on track. Here's Sean McDermott after a 23-20 win over the Ravens. Yeah, that was a big play. Um, You know, again, resilient group. Um, You know, Leslie and the staff did a really good job of just sticking with it, and the players were doing a good job. of. We had a couple third downs on that drive, I think, that where they got out or Lamar got out once or twice there, and he's a heck of a player. You know, it was a heck of a battle between two elite quarterbacks. Got to pick a Super Bowl winner today. Are you still going with Buffalo? Yes. I think you have to. Don't yep. You? They lost one game. It was close. They were beat up against a good Miami team. Their Buffalo's fine. Yeah, no. I'm definitely looking at the Buffalo Bills right now after four games. That four-game sample size is so critical to me. And it changes. Of course it does. Um, for the most part, you can flush what they've done in the first four weeks right now. Now it starts anew. 
four games. And for the Buffalo Bills going forward towards that halfway mark of the season, I think we can only see them get better. I don't think this is it. I don't think they're they're a completed project. I think right now what we're seeing is maybe the floor for the Buffalo Bills. That's how good I think they are. Yeah, that's scary. Uh, the real highlight, though, on Sunday, Wolf, of course, was the start of the Bailey Zappi era in uh, in Green Bay. The Patriots didn't have Mac Jones. They went with Hoyer. Hoyer got hurt, so they had to go with Bailey Zappi, who did throw a touchdown, threw for 99 yards. Green Bay ended up winning in overtime, like as overtime was winding down. Here's Aaron Rodgers. This is a game we had to win, for sure. I mean, you can't can't be two and two losing to a third string quarterback and, and not playing great in all three phases. So we had to have this one. This way of winning, I don't think it's sustainable because it's just puts too much pressure on our defense. And obviously, I got to play better and will play better. Not a lot of love for the start of the Bailey's after. <laughs> can't lose to that guy. You can't lose to that. You know, honestly, I, I, I think we all understand what Aaron Rodgers was saying. Yeah. But why did he have to say it right there? I, I think why did was, he have to? If it wasn't Aaron Rodgers I mean, saying it, it would have been. Uh, I mean, but, but it's Aaron Rodgers. Why not just say though, Luke? You know, this is this was a must win for us. Mm-hmm. This was a must win. You didn't have to tell us why you felt like it was a must win. And he did. And, you know, okay, maybe I just am starting to look at Aaron Rodgers and wanting to pack. Well, he brought that on himself. But um, that's what happens. Exactly right. When you start licking toads. That was one step away from, well, we couldn't lose. You see that guy down the hall? Bailey Zappi. We're not losing to Bailey Zappi. That was about as close as he got to, to saying that. And by the way, they did almost lose to Bailey Zappi. They had to kick a field goal with time expiring uh, in overtime. Let's go to Vegas Wolf. Raiders getting on the board with their first win and instantly right back in the AFC West uh, division race. Here's Josh McDaniels. I don't believe so. I really, I have said this over and over again. Um, you know, I don't I don't look at them with any ill will. They gave me a great opportunity at a young age and, um, and I, if anything, I look at it like it was a blessing because I learned so much from it and uh, you know, that made me better and and, you know, I've, I've been uh, forever grateful to Mr. Boland for what he gave me an opportunity to do. And unfortunately, I didn't do well enough with it. But I, I hopefully have learned from it. Uh, but again, I don't I don't look at that team with any kind of an ill will other than the fact that they're a division opponent and we don't like any of those guys. So, um, you know, that was that's the sweet part for us is I don't want to make this about me. This is just our team trying to, you know, um, hold our home turf here against another division opponent. Wow. I love that, man. Take the high road. That's exactly what he just did. He did. Take the high road. I love that, man. That's class. He took Tim Tebow when he was there, too, right? Wasn't that... He was behind that pick. Yeah. And they won a playoff game. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then, yeah. Boy, Tebow played so well in that playoff game. That was a very strange playoff game. (laughs) We should bring that up to Max Stark. It's like he completed a lot of passes, but, man... He won. All right, text us your thoughts to the Findle text line at 620-620 right now. And Wolf, Kellen Olsen has just walked into the building. He will join us next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. I just see you out there, Kellen. I've talked to like 19 basketball people in three hours. Arizona Sports. Our son's mega mind, Kellen Olsen, joining Wolf and Luke to talk about the Phoenix Suns now. Open for Kellen. Is that the first time you've heard it? 
Anybody listening to me anywhere? No, no. Sorry. Uh, hi. Uh, buttons to press hard. <laughs> this part's really difficult of the job. Did you hear the open? That's yeah, I've heard matters. it. Okay. Aaron was nice enough to like ask if I liked it. And yeah, sure. Oh, okay. I, I just have like always have a label: nerd, guru, mega. I just see you out there, Kevin. Right. I've talked to like 19 basketball people in three hours. <laughs> Arizona Sports. Our son's mega mind, Kellen Olsen, joining Wolf and Luke to talk about the Phoenix Suns. Now, you've been reintroduced. Um, All right, Aaron, we get it. You like the work that you did. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, that is nice walk up right there, yeah, man. I don't get Thank a walk-up you. Song. My walk you don't up have is, a walk up. Is Jared Carlin trashing me to start the fourth hour? That's my walk up music. Wolf doesn't get walk up music. Maybe you do. I don't know. No, no. I don't. Well, Kellen does, and there's a reason because he has the uh, <laughs> Definitive answers to every question we're going to ask about this team. Oh, there's a reason, all right. All right. So, uh, Kellen, I'm going to go first, okay? First of all, how's it going? Great. All right, good. Who's the sixth man on this team? Campaign. And are we good with that? Uh, I think that's my answer right there. <laughs> the, the, the pause. <laughs> I okay. I reiterated over the last couple of months and just the offseason and even going back to the trade deadline, you can go back to two years ago, really, and how I just felt like this team needed more ball handling, and that was something that really bit them in the behind against New Orleans, but they got through it. Uh, Devin Booker's injury obviously didn't help, but then even against Dallas, when they were fully healthy, it still really came back to bite them, and I was just wondering if they were going to add a little bit more scoring, add a little bit more ball handling off the bench, uh, in the guard rotation specifically, uh, and they didn't, and and it's still going to be campaign's offense, at least for now, off of the bench, and look, if they get the campaign from two years ago, they're set. He was one of the two or three best backup point guards in the league, he was a lot more inconsistent last year. But I think the reason you're asking that question is because a lot of people are more worried about the second unit or if they hadn't really thought about it too much once they saw it on the court in the first preseason game. It kind of put into perspective everything we've been talking about the last couple of months. How do you feel about Cameron Johnson starting? I feel great, Wolf. I feel like that starting lineup is going to destroy teams. Uh, I've been saying that even if their second unit is a, a little bit lacking, I still think they're going to win the most games in the, in the league this year. I think from a regular season perspective, they're, they're going to be a juggernaut still. And Cam is just going to elevate their offense in a way to, to introduce a sort of dynamic that they haven't really had before in terms of just the amount of spacing and the amount of threats that they have out there. And that's before even getting to what they're trying to incorporate in the preseason and I think in the first part of the season here is getting Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson on the ball a little bit more. If you watch Sunday's game against Adelaide, you notice that Chris Paul barely brought the ball up. That was by design. Monty said they're in a good spot with it right now, but he was also honest in saying, like, it's a 3 out of 10 right now if I had to rate it just because that's the level of improvement that we have to go still. And that's something that's not going to go up just in the next two weeks. It's going to go up in the next two, four, six months, really. They just want to have it ready by the playoffs, and I think that's the kind of mindset that they should have about the regular season and just kind of using it to add new dynamics that could make them an even more dangerous team when the playoffs get underway. So, Killer, i, I got to follow up on this and say there's a lot of people who think the Suns aren't as good a team without JaVale McGee and Jay Crowder right now. And you're thinking they're, they're going to be the best team in the league? I'm not, sure, I'm not sure if I think that this year's team, I think this year's team by default is going to be better than last year's team because we have gotten every indication that guys like Devin Booker, Cam Johnson, Mikel Bridges, DeAndre, and they all get better every single year and they continue to develop and I think they're going to continue to develop. I think their starting lineup is better than it was last year, but I think their depth is in a really challenging position right now and that's where I, I say that type of thing. Assuming they have the type of injury luck they had last year where they didn't have anything significant 
shouldn't happen, but they have a lot of bumps along the way. That kind of injury outcome, I think they're going to be okay. Now, that's where you really worry, Wolf, is if someone misses two months, two and a half months, yeah, three months. Right, always. They just, they don't. And, and that's the thing for every team, but especially looking at last year, it was like if DeAndre, well, you've got JaVale and Bismack. And then if you looked at the guard rotation specifically, but before the year, that's where you felt great about campaign. And, and look, when Chris got hurt and he missed time last year, campaign was really good as the starter. So I think their depth is just a, in a challenging spot right now, especially when they're playing three, four, five of those guys at the same time. It was all five on Sunday. I really doubt we're going to see that pretty much at all this season. Kellen Olsen's joining us. I know it's it's obviously very early in the entire process, Kellen, but you're around this team a ton. You were around them a ton last year. You've been around them for back when they weren't winning games. Is there... Do you sense any sort of different vibe around this group this year than you did last year, even at this time? No, I really don't. And the sexy answer, of course, is yes. Yeah. They seem way different. Take two. No, I I don't really <laughs> sense anything too different. I didn't really sense too much from, I, I know we're all kind of circling around it, DeAndre, Monty, I don't sense anything too different from them. Uh, DeAndre was more reserved last week, which we kind of draw drew an emphasis towards just because it, it was such a big day for him to speak, just in terms of everything that went off in the off, on in the offseason and of course he and Monty not talking and, and all that kind of stuff but DeAndre was his normal self on Sunday after the game was jovial as he normally is and, and Monty's been the same and everything from our perspective has been the same and look even if they go 0-4 in this preseason and they lose the next three games by a combined 57 points or whatever I'm not really going to worry until we're 20-25 games into the season because even if they start off 8-8 and or whatever they started off 8-8 and two years ago and made the finals so it's, it's one of those things where it just really matters more so how they look in January and February I think that's where we can start not even getting concerned but really starting to emphasize just how much they need to improve but but for now I think it's just going to be growing steps that they need to take in areas that maybe they weren't expecting because a guy like Jay Crowder maybe not on the basketball court necessarily you think about as a guy who averages nine points per game how important is he to the team but there's just natural little things campaign after Saturday's open practice kind of mentioned Jay was the bridge between the young guys and the and the vets and that's like the type of little dynamics that he really helped with and then obviously on the court as a, as a voice he really helped there too. There's just natural adjustments that they have to make that aren't going to be as natural. And so that's why I think it's just going to take a little bit more time this year to kind of reacclimate. So is that the biggest question mark you have going forward? Just the intangibles inside that locker room? I, I, I think so, but then I just... I think it also goes back to how they're going to improve the roster because while I did say that I think they're going to win the most games, I think they're going to be the best team in the regular season, I'm phrasing it that very specific way for a reason because you were the one who made me go on the big cliffhanger last time I was on the show and say, do you think they're going to be better or worse in terms of a postseason finish? And I didn't have any time to explain, which I'm going to use now. And I said worse just because I feel like a first-round exit is a whole lot more likely this year just because of how loaded the Western Conference is and those matchups will present immediate problems to what the Suns are going to deal with right now under this current roster construction but I think the thing to understand is that they have all four of those first round picks and those pick swaps because we talked about them a ton with the Kevin Durant thing and look the dream of course is waiting till January Kevin Durant is unsettled and you get him or whatever but there are ways to improve this team where you throw a pick out there you throw two picks out there and and that's where if that doesn't happen I just kind of assume okay you're looking more towards the three to five to seven years in the future as opposed to the right now window with Chris Paul and I think that's the really interesting choice that James Jones has to make over the next couple of months so far, he has made the choice of just kind of committing to what they have right now and keeping those future assets in the right position. Uh, but we'll see if that changes over the next couple of months, next couple of weeks, days, hours, minutes, whatever. See, I knew Kellen would have all the answers. Uh, yeah. Can you fix the D-backs bullpen in the next nine seconds? 
Uh, do we want them to be a record-setting bullpen? Because I can fix that. They're two losses away from owning the record <laughs> no. for most losses in a season. We don't want that. We want the opposite okay. of that. Can you fix how the Cardinals are starting games? I mean, can you do that? We're 2-2, two and two, Wolf. We've beaten the teams we're supposed to. Everything is completely fine. I'm not reading into anything. If we just channel what we have on the road in the second half, we're the best team in the world. Okay. I just, can you also? Everything is completely fine about my football team, Wolf. Thank you very much for asking. <laughs> Could you help us use fine. recruiting on the way out the door, too? Is there any way to fix that? No, but did you see Jaden Delora the other night? Ooh. Okay, all right. Kellen. school records. It's time Luke, for Kellen you to see go. that? <laughs> Kellen Olsen, it was great to have you here. Thank you for uh, driving all the way in just for this interview and probably Kellen. the 12 hours of work you're about to do. Uh, whatever. Thanks, uh, guys. All right, we come back. Cardinals defense set the tone against the Panthers on Sunday. How can Vance Joseph build on that this Sunday against the Eagles? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Okay, well, if we either came up with the best invention during the break or the worst, because Kellen Olsen walked out of here, and as he was walking out, I was like, hey, what flavor corn nuts do you... Yeah. And, and his reaction was... Uh, I think it actually stunned you. You feel like fell back in your chair. His reaction was, I don't eat corn nuts. I never have, and I never will. Stunning. And, and I and I didn't know what else to say. In any I, I mean, honestly, huh? it's... What are you, you live in Beijing, killer? As I told you, it's like basically saying you haven't seen the world in color yet. You're just kind of... It's like the, that movie where everything switches at one point. Pleasantville, which I've never seen, so I'm not going to reference it. Hey, Luke, have you seen the uh, results of, to the poll on Twitter that we put out? It, what, it, that, type of to me, nuts? sounds like you are just clicking original a lot. No, I, 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 I think I voted one time. Uh, well. Original oh, oh, 31%. One time. Original shouldn't even Origi- have been an option. Original 31%, barbecue 18%. Well, I would okay. encourage you 31% to make your life right. better by eating barbecue. <laughs> no, they just know what really? the right flavor is. Um, refine your palate, please. None of these were the invention, though, that we came up with. Wolf said, okay, Put hot sauce oh. on uh, on corn nuts, and in yeah. the past you've said well, you should put hot sauce on ice cream. So we decided, okay, vanilla, vanilla. ice cream. It's yeah, got to be vanilla, right? It's got to be vanilla with hot sauce, with hot sauce, and, right. and corn nuts. Let's and just throw some nuts. of those in there too. <laughs> you know, that sounds, man, that sounds really, really good right there. You got your sweet, you got your salt with the corn nuts, and then you got your hot. With see, the if, if you're doing that, hot. Hot. seriously, one of these days we ought to eat that right here on the. I'll air. do it. And I will also say this: if it is, if it, it's either going to be horrible or it's going to be great. If it's going to be great, it's going to be something that is served at like a baseball stadium at some point in the future. Yeah, we got to come up with a name oh, now so before anybody steals it. Yeah. Uh, also, in case you're just joining us, Andy Isabella was let go by the Cardinals within the last hour or so. So, um, are we all picking the Patriots? That's where yes. he's going. Okay, he's going to the Patriots. Patriots. Man. Do we even want to try? Belichick. And- Seriously, think about it. UMass. Um, here's a guy who was a mathematician, <laughs> an engineer, and then he switched his major to um, a math degree. Um, <laughs> it sounds like a lot of work. No, it does. It also you know, sounds like you don't know what math branch, so you said a saying, math degree. A, a math degree. <laughs> and uh, that was interesting. Where's the coffee, by the way? I mean, it, It's next to the hot sauce and ice yes, cream. Yes, right. Um, he also is running a 4-3. And uh, I could see, I don't know, Wes Welker. I could see Danny Amendola. I could see, oh boy, there, look, there's, he's going to get a second chance, obviously. And I I think it's, I wouldn't be surprised at all if it 
were with the Patriots. The first comment back on Ian Rappaport's tweet announcing that, that they've released him, the first comment back from some rando is just Bill Belichick looking through binoculars. <laughs> See, he, he graduates it again, Mal. Go ahead and say that on the air. Um, he graduated in three and a half years with a degree in mathematics. There it is. A math degree, there like I said. Yeah, uh-huh. a math degree. All right. Hey. Got one of the math degrees. Hey, look at this guy coming around with his math degree. Thinking he's smarter than all of us. He graduated with a math degree. Um, it sounded weird. It sounded weird the way you said it, but it was it was correct, ladies and gentlemen. When Aaron said it, it sounded all like professional and oh yeah, yeah. Aaron with his math degree, mathematics You're degree. Like, hey, he got his math degree. Okay, all right. Um, Cliff Kingsbury, when he joined us yesterday, okay. So what were you saying? Well, I was going to talk Kingsbury. about the defense. Okay, yeah, yeah, because, yeah whatever. Uh, well, actually, I actually want to start with this before I play the Cliff cut. Um, we're all aware that the Cardinals are nine and one in games JJ Watt plays, right? No, I was not aware yeah. of that. And, and I'm nine not counting and nine and one. I'm not counting the playoff game last year because he was only like half there, and the team was not even half there against the Rams. But just regular season games since yeah. he has joined the Cardinals, they are nine and one when he plays. Wow! Yeah. Wow! Um, yeah, you know what? Honestly, too, and. I, I get that. Like, that resonates with me as a former player because I understand what that's like to have somebody of that kind of stature, that legendary status, walk into your huddle and call a play. Yeah. Or as a quarterback, right? Yeah. I know that, what what that is like. And yet here you got a guy who's a future Hall of Famer, a, a walking legend right now who can step into that defensive huddle and say, what are you doing? That's what got me thinking that way because you, that, and also you have frequently, and Lorenzo Alexander brings this up too. You know, you can have a leader on your team, but they can only do so much when they're not playing. Yes, and we saw that last year. But and it was amplified this this week where, and we've heard Zach Allen talk about it. We've heard some of the other guys talk about it. I mean. It's crazy that J.J. Watt was even able to get himself in position to play on Sunday, and he played and played well, but it's you see the reverberations with a guy like Zach Allen and some of these guys. The, the defense just in general tends to play better when J.J. Watt's out there, not just because of what he's doing, but to your point, it seems like other guys around him are playing better. Now, you asked, uh, we had Cliff Kingsbury on yesterday, and you asked him about Zayvon Collins. He had this to say. He did. Yeah, it was his best game as a pro. There's no doubt. I think it's slowing down for him. Uh, he's getting more and more confident. You see it at practice series, learning how to strain in practice and treat practice reps like game reps, and it's paying off on Sunday. So um, we feel like he's got a great future. I thought he had some great rushes too when we lined him up outside and asked him to get to the quarterback. So um, just got to keep building on it. Man, that is good news right there. It really is, right? The green dot. The green dots, and man, I wanted him to have that green dot so badly when the season started. Do you remember why I wanted him to have that green dot? I feel like there was a lot of reasons you wanted to have there was, him to have the green dot. There was, Luke, and, but but for me, it would have told me that he's getting it, that he totally understands the defense, and he can actually help other people understand what they're supposed to do, that he's developing mentally more than anything else, because physically he's got every tool he could possibly possibly want mentally that he was getting it to a point where he could wear the green dot and pass along not only the play call but maybe yeah this is what you do on this too take that kind of responsibility basically the quarterback the quarterback of that front seven and um apparently he's starting to get it 
and you can see it in his play as well, the confidence. You could, uh, and I know you didn't have the green dot in week one, but when we had him on the show when we were out of camp, and you know, you're asking him, okay, well, what is what happens here? What happens? You know, what what is the routine like before a play? What, like, what's your job? Even if you don't have the green dot, everything he explained, Wolf was very like articulate in a way where it was clear he was grasping it. But it is different to grasp it in a broadcast booth as opposed to being yeah. out there on the field against the Rams or whatever. Man, I love that though. Cliff actually saying that it was his best game as a pro. Man, that's okay. Here we go, David. Let's build on that. Now. That that was when Cliff was trying to talk about defense, and then you kept asking about offense. And yeah, he I was know, like, right. yeah, can you believe this? Guy? I know, but yeah, Cliff, I understand the the defense, but we got a problem with the offense. The offense is underperforming. Is the best way to say it. That's a nice way to say it. Uh, but with the defense, real quick, Vance Joseph. This is. There was a lot of talk last year. Okay, this guy's going to get a job somewhere if a head coaching a look as a head coach. And it's early this season, and the defense hasn't been amazing, but they've been a lot better in the last two and a half games. I have to believe a lot of that's coaching. I really do. And yeah, they got a lot of young no, players. Yeah, they've got a lot of young players that they're counting on to actually come up and continue to develop. And I think we're seeing it, especially a guy like Zach Allen. I think of Zach Allen right now going into year four, um, watching him do what he has done. It's great. So, yeah, they're getting better. All right. Thanks, Aaron Maloney. Jesse Morrison behind the glass for Wolf. I'm Luke. We got Burns and Gambo next right here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station.